Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's episode is sponsored by Vet Prep. Vet Prep is the most trusted way to prepare for the NAVLI, and they've helped over 44,000 students pass the big test. With Vet Prep, you can study smarter with a perfect balance of questions, content, and tools. To view subscription options and more information, please check out vetprep.com. Today on the podcast, you know what time it is. It is the happiest time of the year. It's NAVLI season. So NAVLI testing started about one week ago, and I hope this podcast can catch most of the fourth years before you all take the big test. But today on the podcast, I am excited to welcome a fellow University of Missouri vet student, Ashley Walker. Ashley just took the NAVLI, and I wanted to invite her on to share her thoughts on what she wished she had known before walking in to take the test, and also pick her brain about how she prepped and to give us any tips that she has. So welcome to the podcast, Ashley. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. So before we get going, um, I wanted to give everyone a chance to hear a bit about yourself and where you're from, what you've been doing, and what do you think you're going to do after vet school? Yeah, so I am from a little town in Indiana. Um, I moved to Missouri when I was about 12 or so, and then I went to Purdue University for undergrad, and I decided to come back to Missouri for vet school. Uh, And then when I graduate, I would like to be an emergency practitioner. Awesome. Small animal, I assume? Small animal. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Terrific. So... First off, I want to give you a huge congrats for taking the NAVLI, finishing it. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sure that's, I hope that's a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. Absolutely. Good. Yes. <laughs> um, so the uh, kind of the inspiration, at least on my end, for, for inviting you on tonight and have a uh, an episode that talks about the NAVLI and the preparation and kind of what your experience was is because you posted on um, one of the Mizzou's Facebook pages about your experience and what you wish you had known going into it. And I was like, wow, that is amazing that you did that. Um, I'm sure everyone in your class appreciated that as well because um, the, the Natalie just opened this week. Yes. And I think it goes till mid-December or yeah, so? Yeah, about beginning to mid-December. So it's almost about a month of when it begins and stops. Gotcha. So I would, uh, I know that Everyone in your class that's read that post is going to be very thankful that they that they've kind of learned through you and um, and that's kind of what I wanted to do for the listeners of this podcast yeah, so that absolutely. all the fourth years out there they're getting ready to take it and hopefully I'll catch most of them if, uh, since we're only a week into, into the Navli window that they will be able to learn from your experience too so yeah, thank you absolutely yeah you're very welcome so the first thing I wanted to ask was just in general how was it. It uh, was very long. I definitely underestimated how long it was going to be. Um, very tiring. Um, I also underestimated the physical fatigue mm-hmm. um, because I exited and my eyes were hurting. Mm-hmm. It was very, very hard to kind of just exit the the building and, and realize that I was a human again like because you just stare at a screen for so long and you don't realize it because you're you're there and at the testing center you're like 
only focusing on screen and questions and you're like oh it's fine like i could just do another 60 questions it's no big deal right but then you don't realize how much toll you're actually taking on your eyes and on your brain and that's my number one recommend recommendation is to take breaks for the gotcha. navigating. but yes it was very very hard <laughs> but hopefully i passed <laughs> right so can you explain a little bit more about the break time like what the options are yeah. and where you did take your breaks or where you wish you had taken the breaks absolutely i would love to say that so for me um well first of all i'll back up a little bit and talk about the amount of breaks that you're allowed to have so the navli is based off of six sections of 60 questions and you're allowed i think around 65 minutes for each section mm -hmm. and so after each section you then have a screen that pops up that says says, would you like to take a break? And it says how much time of break time you have. I think you initially start off with 45 minutes of mm -hmm. break time accumulative. And then if you only take, let's say 55 minutes for your test section, that is added on to your break time. Okay. And if you finish, cause you have a tutorial first mm -hmm. and that's 15 minutes. And if you finish that in like five minutes, that 10 minutes is then added on to your break time. I see. So I think at the end I had well over an hour of breaks that I was allowed to take. Mm -hmm. um, I personally um, decided to brute force it, mm -hmm. which was a very bad mistake on my part. Um, I took a break in between section four and five. Okay. So that was well over 200 questions. Wow, and how much um, time do you think passed from the time you started until the break? The break, over three hours. Wow. And I do not recommend that at all. Um, I think a good compromise um, would be if you don't want to take a break every section, mm -hmm. which could be good even just to get up and like go to the restroom or maybe just walk around. Um, I think a good compromise would be every two sections. Okay. So that way you would get like two to three breaks during the entire exam. You can get up, get a snack. Um, and at least at my test center, we had it was called unlimited access. So if we wanted to go outside and mm -hmm. walk around, you're more than welcome to. Okay. So it could be good to go take a walk. If gotcha. Or to just, I just sat there and kind of ate my snack and took a deep breath and thought about nothing but the Navli for about 10 minutes, which mm -hmm. was wonderful. But yeah. I just would, I wish I would have taken more breaks. Gotcha. Now, during the breaks, what did you do? And and I'm, I think I'm thinking more of, are you allowed to get your cell phone back? Are you allowed to eat anything? So it depends on the testing center, um, but... They told me that I was allowed full access to my locker, which included um, my snacks, any medication that you would bring, mm -hmm. um, and your cell phone. Um, I decided, you know, it's just one of those like superstitious kind right. of things. I decided not to use my cell phone mm -hmm. just in case there would be, someone would come over and storm and be like, what are you doing? Um, I'm sure it would have been fine because um, I heard of other people using their cell phone, but I decided that if I if I use my cell phone, that I would also be really sad when I would have to be like, oh, now it's time to go back. Right, so right. what I personally did was um, I went and I made sure to eat and I made sure to get um, some water, which they have water and coffee there mm -hmm. at the test center. Uh, and then 
I used the restroom and I just went outside for a bit, like just stretched and reminded myself that, you know, it is light outside. It is day. Like there's people that's alive and I'm going to be back with those people in just a few short hours. Like it's really, it was really disheartening in the test because I felt like it would literally never end. Right. But it does. And then you get to go out and it's done. Right. So it, it's good to take breaks. Good. So in terms of the experience of getting into the testing center, and I know that every testing center is going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. depending on where you are in each state, let alone if there are multiple testing centers in a city and so on. But could you describe what the experience was like in terms of checking in? What were you allowed yeah. to bring into the into the testing room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think this is going to be similar for everybody. The two items that you absolutely have to have before you go in um, one is going to be your permit. It's mm-hmm. and it's something that you register, and so you know you'll get tons of emails that says, "Hey, you have to have this permit." And on top of this paper, it says like a necessary item to go into. You may not enter without it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same as your confirmation. Um, that is just saying that, hey, you're confirmed to take it at this time and at this center. Um, the permit is something that allows you to go in. And it says right on there that it's necessary. Gotcha. Um, and then your other thing is your ID. Whether that be a license or a passport, you're required to have one or the other um, in order to go in. So I made sure like the night before I had both of those packed like either in my car or in my Mm -hmm. backpack that I was going to take with me like you have to make sure to have those Um, other than that though I think the only thing that you're allowed to have into the test center I believe are earplugs okay Um, they do have noise canceling headphones (laughs) um, if you want to use those instead Um, but that's really it like you can't have any bracelets or any um, jewelry, no like headbands, huh. Wild. anything okay. like that. I mean, they even inspected my glasses, you know, like you, you, they're not joking around over there. No, <laughs> they're not joking. <laughs> okay. So what about like, in terms of what you can bring in like sweatshirts or anything? I mean, I'm sure that people are going to get cold. Yes. And I, but I know that at least from my experience taking the GRE, which I know is at a similar type of testing center they were like checking up our sleeves and things like that. Yes. And I, I'm, I would be afraid of taking in any extra clothing that they may be suspicious of. Yeah, that's a good point. I was actually curious about that, but I'm very cold blooded. I get very cold very quickly. And so I decided that if I was going to be at this testing center for a possibility of seven hours, I was going to make sure to be comfortable. So I brought a pullover um, and when I went there, they didn't say a word all that they wanted. They just told me to like pull my sleeves back when they were um, checking to make sure I didn't bring anything with me. You know, I also pulled out my pockets and everything mm-hmm. else. And then they allowed me to go into the test room. So you are allowed to be comfortable. You can definitely bring a sweater or a pullover. Gotcha. Okay, good. Now, going back to food, because I love food, let's be honest. Me too. Um, <laughs> Any recommendations of snacks? I know that could be a silly question, but I think that's definitely worthwhile because if you're only bringing a little bit of of food, what would you bring or what did you bring? Yeah, so 
Um, I brought kind of two categories of food. I know it's very silly, but I brought two categories of snack. One on a nutritional level, um, I tried to make sure to bring carbs and protein. Mm -hmm. So I had like nuts and uh, dried fruit mix because those would be something quick that I didn't have to like warm up or I didn't have to refrigerate um, and something that would fuel me Mm -hmm. um, to make sure to have both the protein and the carbs in there. Um, But then my other snack was Reese's Cups because it's my favorite thing I love like candy and so I wanted to make sure like I want to look forward to my break right and I wanted to be like you know what this day sucks but at least I have a Reese's cup Touché. so um I I had to I had candy and then I had the actual like this is gonna fuel me gotcha so, very good awesome yes um, Bring something you like to eat <laughs> good to know now I know you briefly mentioned when we've got started talking about kind of eye fatigue and just fatigue in general. Um, I'm thinking of in terms of headaches or just not feeling well. Is there any need to bring like like Advil or anything? Is that just kind of overkill or anything we can do to kind of help ourselves keep feeling as good as we can during Mm -hmm. the later hours of the test? I a hundred percent recommend bringing Advil. Like it, I don't think it's overkill. I saw tons of people having it in their locker. I brought um, just my bottle of it because I wanted to make sure that if I got a headache, um, that I would be covered. And I did extremely quickly. Um, one because the noise canceling headphones were actually very tight and mm-hmm. they started causing a headache. But because I was staring at the screen for literally over three hours, like within the first hour, I started getting a pounding headache. Mm-hmm. So it, I was very happy that I brought something with me. And if I didn't, like, I think that would have affected mm-hmm. like how my test went right. because you, I had a bad headache. Sure. Do you, did you feel that near the end of the test you were, whether or not it, it actually happened, did you feel like you were performing less well because of your fatigue? Absolutely. I'd like a hundred percent. I, I keep thinking back to the last two sections and it wasn't just because they were really hard that mm-hmm. I think it went poorly. I think it went poorly because at that point, like the words on the screen started swimming. Right. Like it was really, just really awful. And so I feel like because of that, um, and another reason why you should probably take breaks, I don't think that would have happened mm-hmm. if I would have taken a break early on. Is there anything you think that could be done in the preparation stage to kind of mm-hmm. work out your mind, if you want to look at it that way, to try to avoid that fatigue at the end? Or is it an inevitable thing yeah. that's going to happen? So I thought that before, um, because I would study vet prep um, or my notes or something for hours and hours and hours, but I think it doesn't help that much because at the end of the day, when you're studying vet prep or when you're looking at your notes, there's still something else. You're either you're either turning your head and sipping coffee, or you're talking to your friend across, you know, across um, Starbucks, mm-hmm. or you're looking at your phone and you're compiling, like you're sending text. Um, or you're doing something, you're petting your dog, you're throwing something in the trash, your eyes are not 100% focused on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that until I was at the testing center and all I did was stare at a screen. And I think that because of that and that alone, it's a little bit inevitable. Like I think it's just, it's going to happen. Right. Um, Whether or not it could have been a little bit prevented by taking breaks, that's up in the air. I think it could have a little bit. Yeah, I that think seems it's to be partially the, my fault. <laughs> well, that seems to be the take-home message that I think, and it, this may just be the the general, and and do not you know 
don't kill me on this, but <laughs> generally I think as vet students, we try to get through it as fast as we can and just Absolutely. get it done. But I think you make a really good point that even though you could just power through and, and go f- and try to finish it in three or four hours or whatever it's going to take, don't try to do that because you're going to save yourself in the end with either um, fatigue or, or just performance if you take the time just to take a little bit of a break and don't try to be all macho and just power through. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Like, you know, um, in school, I was always a really speedy test taker. So going in, I was like, you know what? This isn't going to take that long. It's going to be fine. Like, you know, we've had really hard exams before. It's going to be okay. Like, I'm just going to brute force it and I'm just going to do it all in one go. And I just, there's no way. For me, at least, you know, maybe there is someone out there that could brute force it and do it in two hours. But for me, I think slow and steady is the way to go. Gotcha. Good. All right. So switching gears a little bit from what you wish you had known or what you kind of looking back things you would have done a little bit differently i'm interested to know any strategies that you use during the test mm. and things that um you had learned ahead of time or things that as you were going through you're like wow you know what? i could be doing this to make it a little bit easier on, on me i think the biggest thing is kind of knowing how you take tests and kind of going with there because you know at least in my class they're are people like me who if you dwell on a question and you go back to it again and again you're going to change it to the wrong answer Mm -hmm. and for me i think it was really important even if i didn't know something like i would just answer it and move on because if i went back to that question it i would change it and it would almost always be wrong Mm -hmm. however there's also people that they go through and they realize they make mistakes and they have to check it again and with that it's good because they have a little like mark button where you can like flag it essentially Mm -hmm. and they'll have this little flag that appears that you can just go right back to you can click on the edge of the screen and review all the questions that um that you needed to at the end of your section. Gotcha. Good to know. All right. So my next question for you in terms of the day of the test is I know that sometimes during my test in vet school, you know, you're going through the first few questions. You don't know them. You're like, oh, crap, this is not going to be good. I fear that that's going to happen on Navly Day or you're going to get through halfway through the test and you're just like, oh, man, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm going to fail. You start to freak out and you're going through this downward spiral and and panicking and the walls are caving in. (laughs) You know, I don't think that happened to you, but what what advice would you have in terms of that inevitable just panic if that that may happen? Yes. So there's a few things to think about um, because that definitely happened with me Um, and the biggest thing is to just take a deep breath and realize that um, one almost everyone that I've ever talked to says that it goes poorly Mm -hmm. and then they all pass you know like there is something to be said like it is a tough exam it's extremely difficult i'm not going to lie but at the same time it's supposed to be uh because it encapsulates four years of material and dozens of species but the good news is you know everyone has that feeling of oh crap i'm gonna fail and then it goes okay and then the other things to consider is that there's 60 questions or at least they're 
that's what I've been told that don't count. Mm-hmm. So if you ever go to one you don't know, who knows? Maybe right. that's one of the ones that won't just count. Tell yourself that. Just tell yourself. Um, and then another thing is, is there's so there's 300 questions that mm-hmm. end up counting. And because of that, if you think about that sheer number, you know, because after I took the exam, all I could think about was, oh, I know I got that one wrong, or I know I got that one wrong. And out of 300, though, you can miss a lot. You know, right. like you can miss so much more than what you think out of 300 questions. So I think it's good to just like take a really deep breath while you're in it, because I also had a little panic moment um, and just realized that just because you think that it's not going well, like it could actually be going okay. Right. Um, and you've studied for three to four years. You know, you've studied throughout vet school. A lot of your vet school career has been leading up to this one point. Like it's going to be okay, you know, studying for it seems like a marathon, but everyone's going to put in the effort and cross the finish line. Right, right, definitely. That's very good to hear, so thank you for that. (laughs) You're very welcome. Okay, so I want to, again, switch gears and Pick your brain about your preparation. Uh, But before I do, I want to get a quick word in from our sponsor for this episode. So today's episode of Vet School Unleashed is brought to you by Vet Prep. Vet Prep is the most trusted way to prepare for the NAVALI. They have helped over 44,000 students pass the big test, and they have a 99% pass rate for students who have completed the program. With Vet Prep, you study smarter with the perfect balance of questions, content, and tools. You can study with the actual NAVLI format. You get access to detailed summaries for a very quick and very efficient review of those key NAVLI subjects. You can also view your stats, which allow you to track your performance and then more effectively allocate study time. Remember that all the content is vet prep certified where questions and answer explanations are peer reviewed by expert veterinarians. You also get access to power lectures. What are power lectures you ask? Well, they are mini reviews that guide you through the most important material on the NAVLI. Vet prep is available on your computer or your smartphone or tablet with iOS and Android apps. Vet Prep offers 45, 90, and 180 day subscriptions. Learn more about Vet Prep, their offerings, and how they can help you pass the big exam by visiting vetprep.com. All right, so on to the next topic, which is preparation. And I know that this is going to be geared more towards the third years out there because hopefully any fourth years that are taking the test this month and next month have prepped already for it. Um, but alas, it may still be worth it for them. So anyways, how did you prep for the NAVLI? Yeah, so for the NAVLI, I had three main components um, and three things that I'm really glad that I did. Um, So the first thing is you have question banks Mm -hmm. that you prep for the NAVLI, either Zuku or Vet Prep. Um, I decided just based off of literally a whim of hey, I'm going to do this, I decided to do vet prep. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the majority of my classmates decided to go vet prep, um, probably just because the rest of everyone else was doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Though several of my classmates also did Zuku. Mm -hmm. Um, And I personally believe that either one would have gotten me to the destination that I needed to be, which was hopefully passing. (laughs) Well, I know that they both companies or both services do... Uh, make sure that everyone knows that their their passing rates for those students that use vet prep or navli are pretty much 
dead even in terms of their passing yes. rate. So, yeah. like you said, I now I haven't used either of them yet, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure which one I will use. But uh, in terms of differentiating the two, I think they're both going to be great, um, and they're both going to to do the trick for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you always will hear people that say, well, I like Zuku better because I think the questions were better on the Navli. And then people say, well, no, I like Vet Prep better because of the power pages or because of mm-hmm. the lecture. Like, you're always going to find people that like a certain one or another. But I believe, at least in my opinion, that for the majority of people, either one will get you to where you need mm-hmm. to be. Great. Now, how far in advance uh, from the test did you start? That's a good question. Um, So I was told by previous classes to start in August. And of course, you know, as a like, as a bright eyed third year, I'm like, no way, I'm going to start in January and it's going to be wonderful. Um, How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Yeah. So I started in August um, and I 100% agree that that is a really great time to start. Um, because so the only downfall that I would have if I started in January and maybe it's just me, but I would have forgotten almost everything that Mm -hmm. I started to study in January, February. I mean, I was forgetting stuff that I studied in September, Right. you know, like I just feel like if there's 5,000 questions on a question bank, which is around how many vet prep had. If you start in January, you're going to forget the first five or six or however hundred that you do. Now, some people might have way better memories than me, and maybe their schedule works out to Mm -hmm. where they want to start earlier. Then by all means, do that. Um, But I found that I purchased Vet Prep during the May sale, Mm -hmm. because Zuku and Vet Prep has like a January and May sale. And I found that was perfect because I started studying around August and I still got a good sale price. um, And I started studying um, and I was able to finish Vet Prep by the time I had my nap. Great, great. Now I know that with, I believe with both of those services, you can kind of pick which species you want to study and kind of go through it that Mm -hmm. way. So there's two, at least on vet prep, there's two sections Mm -hmm. or two different methods of doing the questions. And the two different methods are just practice questions and practice exams. Mm -hmm. So the practice questions are not timed. They're just random questions. And those you are allowed to say, today I want to study equine repro. Or today I want to study bovine GI Mm -hmm. and all of your questions that you would get would be that or you know a lot of times I would have the app on my phone and I would just do random questions from bovine neuro to you know equine lameness to anything that would pop up on that question bank so you could do it completely random which is what I mostly did Um, and then you also have the time test which can be really good because at least on vet prep you can say how many you want to do you could do 60 like you would on the navli Mm -hmm. and they would give you the 65 minutes so you could see how well um, that you're doing time wise time management or you can like go down to five and you know just right. do however many you have like in between cases or something like that sure because uh, and I, I asked that 
because I want to get your take on a, on something that I've heard from your classmates and also from other fourth years at other schools that oftentimes, at least for us small animal people, we are not very comfortable with some of the more non-traditional, if you will, food animals, let's say camelids and chickens. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I've got to study the heck out of those species. But then I've heard that that's only a very, very very small fraction of the exam. So you may just want to focus your time on on those bigger categories like small animal, equine, uh, bovine, and so on. What are your thoughts in terms of that studying strategy? So my ultimate recommendation is to study everything the best you can. However, a lot of students already know their innate weak spots. Mm-hmm. For me, it was swine and poultry. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it might be swine I and poultry. So. And so for me, I found it useful, and that kind of goes to my second big thing that I'm super glad I did, was for vet prep, every time I would get a question wrong, I would write in this little document about a general theme, a concept, you know, if it's like, what is this bacteria that causes turkey coronavirus virus or something like that, then I would then put turkey croza equals, you know, like I would then right. put the bacteria um, and I would just, you know, it didn't have to be like a paragraph long explanation. It could just be like equine nerve blocks, use Palmer Digital for this, like, you know, just very, um compact information that I could use as a last minute study mm-hmm. guide when it came down to it and I thought that was really useful especially when it came to my weak points sure. um which was poultry um and swine so when I would come to those questions I would spend a little bit more time um to make sure like looking at the explanations and making sure that I understood everything and then writing down things in my document that I didn't know or that I thought would be useful mm-hmm. to know. Um, and the great thing is Vet Prep has um, power pages. Mm-hmm. So they have kind of like compact things on like swine diarrhea or something like that. Um, and they also have like bird nutritional diseases so they have a lot of the compact information that you need if you're like really weak on exotics or something like that so um i think studying everything and then to me at the end is when i really focus on my weak points um and especially like you know um epidemiology equations like i if i looked at those at the very beginning I, there's no way I would have remembered them. Right. And so for me, I made it a point to put it in my study guide and I made it a point to have those equations pretty much my top priority to memorize a few days before because they were very fresh in my mind. That's a very good idea. Yeah. And so for me, my second recommendation is to make a study guide of either your weak points that you know, or for me, it was all the vet prep questions that I got wrong. I would I just compiled a big list and you know at the end of the day it was very long it was like 60 pages but then right. you know I started once I then started studying the study guide right I then got down to like seven pages before <laughs> or at the very end right before my exam because I was like oh I know this like right. I don't need to go over this for the 15th 80 millionth time sure now in terms of the questions that you were given via vet prep to prep for it mm-hmm. 
were they kind of the the same questions that you saw on the exam, or were they similar enough that you could you know just pick out the answer because you were prepped from what you yeah. learned from vet prep? How did that work? Yeah, so I think that vet prep does a really good job of introducing a lot of the concepts that you will have on your NAVLI. However, it doesn't cover all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, it was good because vet prep had the found the structural foundation of a lot of the questions were similar Mm -hmm. you know it would be like you have this is your paragraph this dog comes in this is what it presents with what's your diagnosis that would be there i think vet prep gives you a good foundation to start with and it does give you a few more tools to use just as a test taker in general of taking exams. Mm-hmm. I feel like it gives you a good boost in that regard. Um, I think it's just good to know that, you know, even if you do, or maybe it was just my exam, because everyone gets a slightly different sure. exam, is um, that it's not going to get you 100%. You're not gonna walk in there and be like, oh man, this is vet prep. Like, right. <laughs> I've got all of this. Like, this is just like taking an exam. It's gonna be different. However, I believe that it's still going to get you a good majority of the way where you need to be. You know, and, and some people think that additional things also help them and kind of push them towards the edge of passing. But it really mm-hmm. just depends on the individual person. Sure. And in terms of that last day or even the day of, when, when was the last time you reviewed material? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so the very last time that I reviewed material was the night before, mm-hmm. um, but it was less than 10 minutes. It literally was just the, to make sure that I could recall the epi equations mm-hmm. and the just look at like two chicken things. And then I shut my book and I made sure that I got outside and, you know, I took a walk with friends. I went and ate dinner with people. Like, you have to walk away at some point mm-hmm. because if not, I think nerves play a really big role into how you feel about the exam and sometimes even how you do on right. the exam. And so I feel like the day before, it's really important to not spend your entire day studying because. It's just, I don't know, you just have to step away for a little bit. And sure. it's good to go to the exam fresh. And I would imagine, too, getting a good night's sleep the night before. Yes, which is... Should go without saying, Yes, but it, it can be difficult. Now, in addition to vet prep or Zuku, is there anything else that you did or that you, rec- you would recommend doing to prep for the Navli? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I did based off of previous class recommendations and something that I would highly recommend, especially if you're a few weeks away from your big exam, and that is a NAVLI self-assessment. So basically, this is an exam that you are told about probably a few months before the NAVLI, and you go online. I mean, you could even it's like the first thing that pops up if you Google NAVLI self-assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could buy an old exam from oh. the NAVLI. And it's about 200 questions. 
So it's a good prep for the questions. It's the exact same time, a frame, kind of like the time reference. So um, you could work on your time management skills Mm -hmm. if you're worried about that. Um, And most importantly, it gives you a, um, a projective score. That's great. And so for me, I did this about 80% done of vet prep, which by the way, not everyone has to get 100% on vet prep. I've right. met people that gotten 30% and passed, like it's all the individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, I did this test and it was fantastic because one, it eased my fears a little bit mm-hmm. because this is old questions that had very similar feeling and very similar concepts to the actual real deal. Um, and so it kind of eased like, hey, if I pass this, maybe I'll pass the real, you know, the real test since it's old questions. Right. Um, and then the second one was it gave me a good idea of what I was struggling with, mm-hmm. you know, because some most of the things you know but there was one thing i was like oh wow i really need to look at parasitology again you know like i was like oh i don't know anything so it's great because it gives you a good feel of okay so this is what the questions will actually be like because you know vet prep gives you like a vague like this is probably what maybe some of it will be like and then the self-assessment is like oh no this is old navley like this is what is going to be on there sure or something similar so i found it really helpful um and i would 100 percent recommend it to anyone it is an additional 50 dollars okay um but worth it in your but completely worth it and worth it in my opinion because um you know for one of my friends they took it and um it actually projected that she wasn't going to do so well and so she like completely ramped up her studying and Mm -hmm. then took it again and you know this the next because you can purchase four Mm -hmm. and she purchased a different one um and this next one told her she's going to pass and of course like it's all different you know maybe the one that i took was wrong and maybe you know my score is going to be completely different from Mm -hmm. what it predicted but it's a good checkpoint of where you're at in your studying um and it's it gives you a better feel of how the Navli is. So for me, it kind of took away a good chunk of my anxiety for right. the Navli. And it sounds like it's something you would probably not want to do in the last week or even two weeks, maybe even the last month. Because if, if this is such a great checkpoint, which it sounds like it is, it'll give you the time to reevaluate where you should focus on your study. Yeah. So it, it may benefit you to, to take this assessment in a period of time that you can go back and have enough time to study on things yeah. that you think you were not as strong. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So my very last question for you as we wrap this up is any encouraging words of wisdom now that you are an experienced Navali <laughs> taker? Um, any any words of, of wisdom or, or uh, encouragement for those fourth years out there that are about to take the Navali in the next several weeks here? So I think the biggest encouragement that I could say is that everybody before us like over 95 or how whatever the statistic is has passed the navli Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not an exam only 50 percent pass or 30 percent pass like the majority of people pass Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's really scary to think about 
um, not doing well in the NAVLE. And it's really scary while you're in the NAVLE because you don't, you, you think every single question is wrong and right. you think that every single section is going more poorly and that it's, it's going really horrible and you're just going to fail. But the, the big thing is at the end of the day, you're not, right. you know, it's at the end of the day, we are going to pass and that freaking out is not going to help. I know like I'm a victim of it, you mm-hmm. know, the day before, like I was really nervous towards the Navli, but it's something where everyone gets through and it's i think it's also a good thing to know that even if you're in that percentage you could always take it again it's it's not the end of the world you know you're allowed to have several attempts and the thing about it is the greatest thing about failing is that you can figure out what you did wrong and right. you can know what to do to succeed. So um, whether that be, you know, I mean, life happens. Right. And especially as we're going through clinics, we figure out very quickly that life happens. And so if you have a death in the family or something else that goes wrong that perhaps you didn't study mm-hmm. very well because of something that happened, or maybe you have all of your hard rotations together and you're not able to study as well. and or maybe during the test you have a high fever, like things happen. And even if you don't pass, there's always a second chance. Right. And I think for me too, at least what I try to remember is that whether or not you ace the Navali or you barely pass or you don't pass the first time, that is not a mark of how you're going to be as a veterinarian. Absolutely not, no. I always remember that a friend of mine told me just recently that of all the tests in vet school, you don't have to ace this one. You just have to pass it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's another thing too. I I mean the pass the passing threshold or the passing bar is not 90%, thank right. goodness. Right. You know, I mean it's it's way down there. Mm-hmm. Um I believe someone told me at some point, I don't know if this is true or not, that it was like 55 to 65%, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the year and the curve and all of the statistical nonsense that right, I right. am not up with. Um, but it's something that you do not have to feel good about necessarily. You know, I mean, you could feel like you almost failed it, but hey, if you still pass it at the end of the day, then it's passing okay. Is passing. passing is passing. Awesome. All right, well, this was very helpful for me, and I think it's going to be very helpful for everybody listening, both third and fourth years. Um, once more, thank you so much, and congratulations. Oh, You're thank done you with very it. much. Um, enjoy your last few months of vet school. And, oh, thanks. Um, I envy you of, of being almost done. But, <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much again. This was incredibly insightful. So. Oh, you're very welcome. Great. All right. Thanks. Once more, I want to give a huge thank you to Ashley for joining me in the podcast today and sharing her insight, advice, and tips for the NAFLE. And again, thank you to today's sponsor, Vet Prep. Please be sure to check out all of Vet Prep's study offerings for the NAVLE by checking out their website at vetprep.com. And lastly, thank you so much for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, please be sure to check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find me on Instagram at SethTheAlmostVet 
or on Facebook. You can also connect with me via email at seth at vetschoolunleashed.com. I would love to hear any suggestions or topics you'd want to hear us talk about and even reach out if you want to be on the podcast yourself and share some insight of your own. And lastly, if you feel so inclined, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM. Dissecting the DVM.